0: What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Leadership Locker. This is the third episode with Eliza and I, which we'll be doing Tuesdays, sharing all our entrepreneurial knowledge and ongoings and what has been happening during the journey of this awesome company. And today we are going to get into technical proficiency and why that doesn't mean you're a master at something. I'm not gonna waste much time. Let's go get it.
1: let's talk about technical proficiency versus having a technique
0: what are your thoughts (laughs) where are you at
1: i think there are a lot of people in the professional space that probably would think well i know how to do marketing i know how to do writing i know how to you know do x and y and z but they don't have a technique they don't have they don't do it with the flourish it doesn't come naturally people sense those things one of my favorite people in the world is by craft a writer you know they they do all the mechanics right they write 1000 words a day you know they'll engage in these like writing like campaigns or things where it's like a i don't know like a test or everybody's doing it together and we're all going to write and at the end of the you know the 3-day campaign we're all going to read what we wrote collectively and you know hopefully you'll come up with something masterclass right And it's always technically proficient. It's functionally good writing, but there's a piece missing that people just don't respond to. And it's just kind of like, yeah, you you did it. So I think there's something in there, like uh, the story I was telling you the other day about my chiropractor, right? So you can go and have all the education in the world. You can go and have all the technical proficiencies in the world. But if you don't master being able to read people and being able to deliver something that's unique to them, that serves them where they're at, That's the, the flourish. That's the technique that really goes the extra mile. Right. So like my chiropractor, one of them was like cracking my back and left me with back spasms. And the one right beside him, the next time I went, he was just like, Oh, you don't need to be turned as hard to get the crack that you needed.
0: It sounds like this could be taken one of two ways. Yeah. You're saying just because I have the skill, you have the skill doesn't mean you're good. Yeah. Or if you have the skill, you need to be unique in order for that to be scalable.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think right now the, the market is full, just full of competition. And again, just because you have the technique doesn't mean that's going to set you apart. You have to be something special. It has to be something that takes you above the fold. It has to be something that sets you apart from other people that practice the same thing. There's so many different things of internalizing a technical aspect of something uh, that makes you just deliver service over and above. And I think for us, like when we think about our clients and how we serve them, it's not just video. Anybody else could deliver video content. It's going the extra mile and like knowing what is important to our clients and knowing what it is that's going to set them apart from what the players in the space are doing. So video is the medium, but the technique really is drawing out of them what it is that's going to, you know, put them above the rest, so to speak.
0: So let's talk about a category that doesn't apply to us and try and dive deeper here. So let's look at something outside of what we do and let's just, let's call it construction. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of construction going on around here. So the people are able to do it, uh, but if they don't have a technique, then there's potentially the ability for the homeowner's warranty to be effectuated within a year. Yep. Structural damage within 10 years. So it's it's clearly bad for the business. So if you are talking to someone and you are acting in a mentor capacity or we are talking to people on this podcast as people who try and make sure that we differentiate and we don't leave it to the basics, which is the filming, Mm -hmm. right? It's static, it's simple Mm -hmm. to most. Mm -hmm. Then how do you tell them You're not unique. Yeah. You're not, there's no technique there. Like everyone is doing that. Yeah.
1: Well, we all have a responsibility to tell the truth, right? So when you hold back is you're not doing anybody a service by saying, oh, you're doing a great job. If they're doing a really crappy job, the best way that you can help someone get better at their craft is providing constructive criticism of, hey, this is good, but there's something missing. Let's keep working at it. Let's look at what you like and resonate with And why do you resonate with it? How can you do better at it? How can you reach that standard of whatever the craft is? So, you know, if it comes to something creative, everybody has to have someone to emulate. Like, you know, and I'll take us, for example, like, you know, in terms of how we approach even creating content for our clients, there's the traditional lane of, oh, okay, let's set you up on what you're an expert in, but now let's disrupt the narrative by attacking the problems And, you know, elevating the negative and how you address that, right? So that's a technique because you can say all day long, oh, you're proficient in coaching. This is going from where you're at to where you want to be. But really, functionally speaking, how you get people to come into your narrative and into your story and understand how you solve problems for them, and what sets you apart is the fact that you can say, okay, now what is the actual problem that you've solved? What is the negative of this story that you have stepped into and provided a solution for?
0: Ryan Dice, I'm not sure if you remember when I had him on not long ago, he's CEO Founder of digitalmarketer.com, which can you just imagine trying to get that? Like, (laughs) that's so far ahead. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. Um, Anyway, so, and he's got also scalable.io, but he said people are interested in two things when you're marketing to them, and that is transformation or validation, right? And and that's, I think that's what it is. So, whenever anyone hears, what problem do you solve? I think it, and I just kind of did it myself, like, rolled my eyes, like, it's like,
1: It's because it's become trite. Yes. Right? Like that's become like the normal nomenclature for like setting yourself apart.
0: To the point where you could gloss over it. That's right. And I think one thing you're getting at without getting at it yet is, (laughs) is dude, like, have you evaluated your fucking competition? Right. Because you can be so happy that Mm -hmm. you have launched a business Mm -hmm. that it's doing a little bit it's, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. doing well. And mm-hmm. you're very, very happy about this. You're proud of your accomplishments. And then someone like you or us or a friend who's a really honest friend is going to pull your punk card and be like, who isn't doing that shit? Yep. like, what's going to happen in five years? Yep. I mean, someone, I was just listening and someone was talking about Toys R Us and they're just like, they didn't just like go with the times. Blockbuster didn't go with the times. Yeah. Like, they were just like, we're not mailing people shit. Yeah. So that's the risk, but you have to study your competition.
1: I think it's not just that. I think people oftentimes confuse a hobby or a passion with something that's going to be like a market innovation. Like it's okay to understand what is a hobby or something that you just enjoy doing for the pure joy of doing it rather than trying to make money at it. If you love writing for the sake of writing, write. It doesn't mean that you have to make money at it. Very true. Right? So You know, I think you tell the story about your dad when he said like, oh, is this a hobby? Like your passion just happened to coincide with an actual market need. Yes. And so proof of concept is there. (laughs) Like we've got that. Yeah. Uh, So this isn't a hobby. This is like an actual real company. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's that's also another thing of self-actualization and understanding like, you know what, if everyone around me who looks at my work or the things that I'm passionate about and says, that is solving a problem and you can serve people with that, pay attention to that. However, if people only give you constructive criticism, that's worth paying attention to as well. It could be something where you're not quite there in terms of what the market is telling you, you can solve, but it may be something that just keep working at it. It could be just a hobby for now, keep working at it if it's something you're passionate about it, do it in your spare time, but recognize it has a certain
0: place. I think that's one of the most deflating things to come across, which is Everyone goes into their living room or calls their parents or <laughs> texts their sister like I yeah. got a fucking idea. Yeah, and it's just listen.
1: I'm going to tell you, everyone has a book. Not everybody needs to be published, <laughs> right? It's like <laughs> all you, our
0: clients need to be published.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of manuscripts that I've seen over the course of my career, and it's like. You're pretending to be somebody else. you have this vision in your head of an author that you really love, and you think, "I can match their skill set and you can tell when someone's copy paste just using different words.
0: Yes
1: so I think there's something about like just recognizing where you stand in terms of market competition and literally what sets you apart and if again, if you're asking only the people. And it tends to be family and friends that are going to give you good feedback because they're like, yeah, I love them. Why wouldn't I support them? But that don't give you the, con- the actual criticism that you need to like properly position what it is that you're working on. I mean, you have to do the hard work of figuring out what's viable and what's not.
0: Yes. I, this is, I'm really glad you brought up the book piece. I, I think, <laughs> I think for everyone and you know, you've talked about this, you're like, you have a book in you one day. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And the thought that comes to mind is people believe, and I slightly believe this, it's some sort of rite of passage. Yeah, Like, oh, I'm an author. Mm. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be an Amazon bestseller in 40-year-old men who retired from the Marine Corps, Yeah, uh, who now have a business, yeah. you know, or whatever it may be. And this is, I think, nails it, which is you can be technically proficient at writing and creating copy and putting thoughts together and all these other things, but that doesn't mean you're a good writer and that shit's going to fly off the shelves. That doesn't mean it's going to get any fucking reviews on it. It also doesn't
1: mean you're a good speaker just because you can put words on a page in terms of publishing a book, that shouldn't be like an end goal. It should be one part of a bigger strategy, right? If you're e- evaluating like the different pl- ways that you can interact with people and have people have a part of your story, um, one is a digital strategy. One certainly could be a book. One is like, okay, are you, you know, doing classes or master classes or speaking engagements or, you know, all these different things. So certainly, yeah, a book has its place, but it shouldn't be like your be all end all unless you envision yourself as like this reclusive writer who just stays in a cabin in New Hampshire for, you know, Three hundred and sixty days a year, just <laughs> writing your brains out. Like that's that's the epitome of like the writer's struggle. But generally speaking, most people aren't like that. They've heard enough about people around them who are like, yeah, you should write a book,
0: right? But yeah, and this goes obviously for everything. So I know we kind of got into writing a book, but this this goes into <laughs> whatever it is your service or product may be. Mm-hmm. Pat Flynn, who I've interviewed, uh, author of Superfans, uh, Smart Passive Income podcast, amazing guy. He said. I just wanna kind of give a different aspect of what we're saying because it sounds Mm -hmm. all negative, but we're just being honest. Yeah. Just because everyone's doing it also doesn't mean you don't have to do it because Mm -hmm. you don't want to be the first. Yeah. Because someone is gonna be like, Oh, I'm gonna cook that shit up. (laughs) And I'm gonna, I'm gonna 10x that because I have maybe the finances, I have the personnel, I have the connections or whatever. But what you can do is <laughs> if something that product or service exists in the marketplace, that also means that you have a ton that you could study yeah. and you can be like, I'm pretty creative. If they only did this, this would be the the difference. I think yeah. Tom Billy when he talked about protein bars and he's like, protein bars that actually taste good and aren't fucking sugary and bad for you. <laughs> and it and it did really well.
1: Yeah. You know, I was just actually thinking about why you were talking about that is Joe Rogan was doing this podcast once and I remember watching this clip and I was like, oh that's so true. So you never want your kid to be the first one to discover that Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> right? Like you never want your kid to be the one that had like their illusion is shattered. They, you know, somehow came across it. Cause guess what? They're going to tell the kids behind them and they're going to ruin it for everybody else. Right. But you also don't want your kid to be the last one to find out and then feel duped their entire life that they were like in 10th grade, thinking that Santa Claus was still real. Somehow you want to find that sweet spot right in the middle.
0: Yes. That
1: can literally apply to everything. Like some people, that's the best thing. Like I don't want to be the first one to write this book and like invest so much money and I, I took no knowledge from anybody else. Sometimes the middle of the pack is a good place to be. Absolutely. Sometimes. sometimes, In the right circumstance. Yes. So this sounds like so like half half glass, half full type of no, discussion. I, I feel
0: like what we've done is tell people who are proficient at things like you actually suck and now, <laughs> we're, now we're kind of going back on our word like, but yeah, well, you should be in the middle somewhere. Is this, a, okay. is this a good podcast? Yes. This is a great podcast. Yeah. This is real life. This is yeah. This is how we discuss
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'll give you an example. So this uh, this company that I worked at, anybody who's involved in this organization, they knew that people who ascended to the centralized hub, like the headquarters, so to speak, they went there to die, right? Like the goal was to get there because you had done your time. You were rewarded with Sunset the position. Tour. That's right. As long as you were proficient, like that was the standard. Yes executing above and beyond was not the standard. So you were rewarded for time and time and service. You were rewarded with stability and security and you didn't have to modify the mark by any means, right? So you didn't have to move the needle. You just had to exist and breathe. And I remember there was so much conflict in that because the standard was so low and there was no constructive feedback to elevate the bar of performance that everyone like it was just status quo. Just like don't change the game. Don't cause a ripple in the water. Like people are just here to retire. And it was so like for people who are motivated and for people who want to like, no, like I want to serve people. I have that, that engine inside of me that like, this is not, it's not okay. It was a complete conflict because nobody was willing to have constructive criticism or healthy confrontation even.
0: Well, the worst part of that is that the person who's motivated starts to potentially, rescind some of their efforts and how they show up. And then resent the company. A hundred percent. And then you just kind of rob that person. Yeah. But uh, I have an example of that though, really quick. So when I was stationed in Naples, I switched platoons. I was on a guard platoon, essentially. We we guarded this building and we were a security force, blah, blah, blah. So I was on one, I was in one platoon and we... I didn't know anything about the other platoon because we literally changed shifts with them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything. Like, I didn't know anything about how they turned over leadership or anything like that. I just saw that they looked like Marines and they did their thing and we did our thing. So when I switched over, we would have to run drills. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the drill, I came running back to meet the group. Mm -hmm. And everyone was just kind of like walking and just kind of like whatever in the middle of the night. And you're just like, dude, this dude's motivated. Like condescendingly. Yeah. And over time, I mean, I was just like, I I guess I could just kind of ease off. And then I was just like, fuck that. And then I kind of moved up really quick. And then it actually, that actually started to have an effect. But if you have the technique Mm -hmm. and you're more than proficient, Mm -hmm. you need to share that shit.
1: So, okay. So bringing that full circle too is that's the curse of the capable, right? If everyone around you is performing at the minimum threshold of of success or, you know, performance or acceptability, right? And you're the only one that's pushing the needle forward. Then you become the one to carry all the weight of excellence, right? Of expectation, of responsibility and so forth. Because everyone's like, that's not my baby. I'm not going to carry that thing. You can do it. You're you're better at it. Mm -hmm. And I think (laughs) that reminds me of like when we were younger, my brother you know, we would like all, you know, have dinner or whatever, and there would be leftovers. And if my brother went into the refrigerator and he ate the end of the leftovers, he would leave just enough left. So it wasn't a full meal, but he wouldn't have to do the dishes.
0: Hell no!
1: So that to me is like the illustration of like, I'm going to go just far enough where I don't have to go the extra mile and I'm going to leave my sisters with the dishes. So don't leave your sisters with the dishes. Okay. And that's what causes fatigue. That's what Mm -hmm. causes burnout. That's like all the different things that, you know, force people into like, you know, resenting where they're sitting of like, I'm ready for a transition because I can't carry this weight alone. And the organization itself is not going to support me in leveling up across the board, you know? And and I think that's that's something that I think a lot of people maybe don't recognize or they're just like, okay, like I am above the fold, you know?
0: If you are technically proficient, you can have spurts or surges of exceptionalism or Mm -hmm. technique but you really want to live in and just proficient. Right. And that's why it never, it's not sustainable for those people. And I I think that's really important. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Uh Uh, We're going to end this podcast, but you are going to tell everyone who this podcast is sponsored by and, and just some quick information.
1: Well, this podcast is sponsored by Rich Cardona Media where we support C-suite executives and entrepreneurs with video branding uh, to help them tell their stories and impact their space, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We need a better one-liner.
0: We film out and distribute content, but yeah. that might change. Yeah. So you don't have to. Because
1: we actually don't. Look we at do, the setup. But we don't do just that, though.
0: It's not. It's, it's,
1: That's not accurate. We do a lot more than that.
0: That's right. We'll fix that.
1: Branding 101.
0: But you can email us if you want. Eliza (laughs) at richcardonamedia.com. Rich at richcardonamedia.com. We're looking to take content creation and strategy off your plate altogether. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you listen to the two of us, if you're a fan of anything we've had to say, then I think you know that we have a technique. Yeah. This is not about proficiency. So we will see you next time. Thanks for joining. If you got anything out of this, you know the deal, please leave a review, rate it, give us some feedback, DM us and tell us that was awesome or that was horrible. We could take it and we will see you next time.